You're now listening to What's Up Award, the podcast. For those of you who may not know, this is a podcast that focuses on love, life, relationships, and everything in between. Everyone has a story to tell. We just want to know what's yours. And to regular listeners out there like Harold Palmer Jr., salute. salute. My name is Woody Ward, and the man next to me with the plane is none other than Trey All Day. What's happening, my brother? What's going on, Woody Ward? You know how we do this. Yes, sir. This podcast has a goal of interviewing, promoting, and learning from people who are making a difference in the world with an idea, business, personal story, and much more. Our studio guest today definitely falls in this category. This man is so special, they gave him his own holiday for his birthday. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Dr. William Earl Newsom to the show. What's happening, Dr. Newsom? What's up? What's up? How y'all doing? What's hey, up? Man, what's we, up? We doing good. Couldn't be better if we had a knit sweater. But uh, check it out. Your name is Dr. Newsom. Is it okay if we call you William just for this show, sir? I'm always William to my friends, man. Oh, <laughs> good. We friends. Because uh, Trey, did you say you had an itchy back or something you want to talk about? I got a little something, something, you know. You can <laughs> just, help me out. Just a little itch scratch. Yeah. Little, I got a little something, something. <laughs> well, Carl. <we> <laughs> All right, we're going to start the show out like this. We're going to just start with a few questions, Dr. Newsom, or William, because we're friends now. Tell us where you grew up with, where you grew up at, uh, how many brothers and sisters you had, and where you currently live at now. We just started as an icebreaker. Again, where you grew up at, how many brothers and sisters, and where you living at now? Yep, grew up in South Bend, Indiana. Mm-hmm. South Bend, Indiana is a small place. Um, you're probably familiar with it, of course. You know, it's the home of Notre Dame. That's what most people know it as. Had five brothers, one sister. I was the youngest. Mm. And so that's not an envious position always, but you know, I was the youngest. True that. Man. True that. You know, but uh, you know, I, I moved in a couple of places, but uh, in the beginning, Indiana, you know, I went to school in Bloomington and Indianapolis. And after that, I ended up in Florida, Orlando, Florida, which I'm, I've been here for over 25 years now. Orlando as an adult than I do Indiana. Mm-hmm. Does it seem like you've been there 25 years? It does, kind of. Actually, <laughs> <it feels good. laughs> Man. anything okay. in Florida feels good right about now. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. The weather is amazing. When I first time I came down here, I came down here in December of '95. There was snow. It was 15 degrees below zero there came down here to interview at Florida Hospital for residency. I saw palm trees and sun, the grass was green. My eyes couldn't believe it. I said, wow, sky is blue. I called home, I told my mom, I said, I think I'm home. And I never left. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I know that's right. I came to Florida, I visited you one time down there and I couldn't believe it, man. It's just like, I just I can't believe it's the same planet. It's just like this. Right? Snow will hurt you. Snow will hurt you, man. So, but uh, okay. Now, before we get into your other deeper question we have for you, I wanted to ask you about something. Something a long time ago that I heard you did in junior high school, I believe it was. You had to do a poem and recite a poem, but you chose this long poem. I think it was uh, Paul Revere. Was that what it was? Paul Revere. The yeah. How long was that poem? How long was that? That poem had, it had about know, 50 stanzas. It was eight pages long. Yeah. That was the longest poem. The, te- the teacher at the time said, you can pick any poem you want. Exactly. As short or as long as you want. And I don't know why, 
but I said, you know, I want to memorize all of this Paul Revere. Mm -hmm. And I did. <laughs> you sure did. I was yeah. like, yeah, that was amazing. That might have been like, uh, Mary had a little lamb. Um, Mic drop. Yeah, because I remember he, uh, I was there, he did such a good job, and then he started crying in the middle of it because he was sort of got some of it, and all the people started clapping and cheering. I was like, Look at this oh. Michael Jackson move, he was hitting him with that, and I was like, Okay, so what did that? I, I'm just amazed that you, you took on that. Uh, that was just, I was amazed, I was sitting like. What? I, I, I had to go on after him, so you know what could I do? What could I do after that? I was like, I, I didn't know he was, you know, I took it personally, you know. But but that's another story. This ain't about me. This is about you, Doctor Newsom. Let's keep it moving. How, how, how long were you up there, man? Did you take most of the class? Long and I think I got stuck halfway through it. And then I mean, I was like three quarters through it, and I couldn't find one word. Somebody <laughs> whispered to me, and I was like, mm. and they whispered it to me again. I got through the rest of it. But then I, afterwards, nice. I was like. Ward, Ward uh, after I got through this, I said, why did I pick that poem? Because now he got me up in front of everybody. But it, it was good. But that reflects on my personality. Yeah. So that's it. Go for it. Go for that's it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's amazing. So so let's get into the curriculum. Let's just start back and going back to your uh, high school days now. We're going to move up because eventually going to get to your, your doctor thing. But I don't want to spend too much time on that. I know that you probably get all doctored out. So we ain't going to get all into it too much. But... Let's, let's talk about this. Being, being in school, in high school, you overcame some challenging odds. You, you became a young father in high school. How did that affect you? And what made you think, I still can go to college? What, 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 what happened? Oh, wow, that's a deep question. I mean, the truth is, it hit me like a ton of bricks, you know, that, you know, you should be having sex that young, but but kids are gonna be kids. Mm -hmm. The moment I realized that she was pregnant, it's like I went from having fun and oblivious to the real world and playing football in the backyard and all of that to I got now responsibility. So I went from having no job and just studying and having fun to now, you know, immediately my mom said, you know, you gotta get a job. You gotta, this is gonna be your kid. So I went and got a job at that. KFC, you know, and started started working. It's like I changed from boy to man in a in a day because of this huge responsibility that came. Yeah. Were, were you scared? Were you frightened? Uh, oh man! I mean, I can't even tell you how many times I prayed to God take this away. Some things is not. <laughs> yeah. And some things are just the consequences for for what you do. Yeah. Yeah. Really quick, that what you do. Uh, is going to reflect the price that you pay. So you better think cautiously before you take that next step. You know, and so it, it, was, it was kind of a challenging period, but, you know, everything turned out turned out good in the end, as, as you know, but we all got our challenges. It's just different for everybody. Yeah. So, so as you can see, I got a theme going on. You, you, you did the Paul Revere thing, which I thought was challenging, and then you, you had the kids, and that one, you had two kids in high school. Right? It yeah, was two? Yeah, actually. Yeah. yeah. So, so what? And yeah. she got pregnant again. And then this, this goes to your second question because my mom, it's funny, she went to my mom and my mom told her if William has a second kid, he cannot go to be a doctor because I always mm. wanted to be a doctor about nine years old. My dad put that in my head. You're smart. You're getting straight A's. 
you should be a Ooh. doctor. Yeah. And, and I was there. That's all I ever wanted to be. It was a dream. So my mom put that out there. If you have another kid, you cannot go to med school. And uh, unfortunately, she took that as, oh, this is how uh, I'm going to keep him from going to medical school. But mm. my mom cried when she found out she was pregnant the second time. I didn't understand it because in my mind, regardless of what happens to me, I'm going to medical school. And it made it more, it put what was a regular ambition, it put an exclamation point on top of that. Basically. Yeah. So I'm sure when you finally got to uh, medical school or college there, did any other of your colleagues have kids? <laughs> Not hardly. I mean, I felt like I was in a class by myself. I don't I don't think I knew anybody that had kids. I remember pledging my fraternity when I was in college. I remember they called me Big Daddy because nobody had kids. I had two. By the time I got to college, it was a huge responsibility. It was a huge responsibility that I was not prepared to meet. And, um, you know, in my mind, I'm doing something not only for me, but if I could be successful, I'm doing it for my kids. You know, because my kids could have a better life. We grew up poor. I didn't have anything. I always saw something bigger. And so for me, I had to become a doctor. So some may criticize me and say, you know, you should have stayed in South Bend. You should have. You know, been a father, got a job, been a plumber, and so forth. But I pictured it's on my heart to be a doctor, and they'll be in a much better position. And so that's that's the route that I took. Yeah. You know, William. Let me ask you a quick question. What what mm -hmm. words of advice would you say to someone who's not maybe in the exact same situation, but in a similar situation where they're uh, they they've got goals and they've got dreams and aspirations, but they're dealing with some type of adversity. What type of thoughts or words of wisdom would you share with a, with a person uh, in a similar situation, but not necessarily exactly the same? Whatever situation you face is, is a temporary problem. And we are going to have, to me, I look at life as this. Life has a series of problems. If you're not coming out of one, you're going into one. And happiness or your ability to see comes out of your ability to manage your problems. This is what I tell my son often. You know, a lot of people don't think about it. How you're able to handle the problems that come your way determines your ability to enjoy life because they're gonna keep coming. It could be a flat tire or it could be loss of a job or it could be a death in the family, somebody really close to you. And it's going to hit you hard, but you have to sublimate. You got to rise above that. And if you got a thread or something that you're focusing on, which everybody needs, you got to have a beacon, something that you're looking at. And if you keep your eyes on that, then then you find a solution to those problems and you keep moving forward. But if you don't have a direction, that problem is just going to be like a, a black hole or quicksand. It's just going to suck you in and the next problem is going to add up. That's how but, I look at it. And, and on top of that, let me ask you a second question. How do, how do you tell them to keep pushing even when someone may externally may try to squash their dreams like, you know, inadvertently for good or for bad, you know, there are individuals that say, well, you shouldn't be doing this. You got to do X, Y, and Z because of not the situation you're in. So how did you overcome that? 
especially if you have someone close to you to say, mm, that's not what you need to be doing right now. You need to do what we think is the best situation for you. Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough because everybody's going to find somebody who says, you know, I have a lot of people say, you, you can't become a doctor. You know, there's no doctors in your family. You know, you don't have a roadmap. You know, how can you become a doctor and do these things? But but you push past it because you have to feel it in your heart. And I think it's easier if you chase, what I would tell somebody young is find out what your passion is. And if you find out what your passion is, now the next step is, so for now it's just a dream, but map out, how can you get to that? What are the steps that you need to take and the things you need to do? What are the sacrifices you need to make to get there? Put your focus on that. And whenever somebody comes in your way because you got a game plan, it should not throw you off. My life is one big things to do list. Every day I wake up, there's no joke. And this has been for a long time, since I was in high school, since I said I wanted to be a doctor. I saw a pediatrician, I said, how long does it take to be a doctor? He said, four years of college, four years of medical school, you know, then you got to do three years of residency and blah, blah, blah. And literally, before I even got to college, I mapped out exactly what I needed to do. So when you got a plan, all you got to do is work that plan. And obstacles is about just solving that problem. That's why I like urgent care medicine. I always do urgent care medicine because it's see a problem, solve a problem. I come in, oh, you broke your foot. I saw a problem, I solve a problem. That's my style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> so you ended up going to IU or Indiana University in Bloomington. What made you choose that school? Um, you know, it was by default, to be honest. I mean, you know, Ward, we grew up at a time where there weren't very many blacks in college. Uh, I wanted to, even though I had a good GPA, I came out of high school, I took advanced class, I had a 3.5 GPA. I probably could have went to Notre Dame, Princeton, mm -hmm. you know, different like that if I wanted to. But but that's intimidating, coming from where, where I came from with no roadmap. And so there was a guy named Charles Martin, mm -hmm. around South Bend, he went to every school. This dude just had, a, he was like Martin Luther King to me. He just had he a was. love. For black kids, he'd pull you out of class. The minorities, Hispanics, Mexicans, he'd pull us all out of class and, and talk to us. You need to go to college, this is what you're gonna do. So he came up, he formulated this program called the Groups Program. You know, in general, people would call that affirmative action, but it was a certain situation with Indiana University where they would allow students who normally wouldn't have a chance to go to the college that they will get you in. They're gonna get you started. They're not gonna, you gotta get through it. But they will get you in, they're gonna start you the summer before, and then then you move through. So did I have to do that? No, but I saw that as an opportunity. I'm gonna go to Indiana University. But I think I think if I had known more, I probably would have been bolder and said, you know what, I wanna go to Yale, Princeton, or Notre, you know, a school, a school like that. But but you know, that's that's that went into my decision. I know I can get in, and I know I got the study skills. If I get in, I'm getting out. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think when I went to college, um, I don't think I had the right attitude. I, I just, it was kind of overwhelming because uh, Bloomington, man, that was a big campus. I, I said I was gonna walk around. I'm not getting a bus pass. I'm not getting a book bag. I ain't spending my money on none of that. <clears throat> and word on the curb is, 
We we refused to buy a bus pass to the point we created our own and highlighted the the colors on the back of our ID to be a fake bus pass to ride on the bus. And somebody was nervous and sweating and scared to get on the bus. And I'm like, man, just act normal. <laughs> but that's an inside joke. That's an inside joke. Um, they had the first Papa John's in Bloomington, Indiana when we was in school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, that, it, it, IU is is this huge campus, man. I was like, it's, it, it was definitely it's like it's its own city. It's like no, yeah. we we hung out at Notre Dame a lot, but IU man, ain't no joke. Well, so, the best uh, life though. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, my next question is, since you wanted to be a doctor, I think I knew one doctor in South Bend. Uh, his name was Doctor Butts, and I didn't think he was a great doctor, but he's a black doctor that everybody want to. Who? You never really encountered another black doctor, did you? No, actually, actually, I didn't. I think the first doctor, no, I didn't actually. Not mm-hmm. until I got in medical school. Yeah. Um, medical school, there were a handful of black doctors that, that also mentored the black students. There was only four black medical students when I went. But um, my mom, she worked at Memorial Hospital in South Bend. She was a pediatric ward clerk. She told me one day, you know, there's a resident here He's a white doctor, come up here. And I want you to talk to him. I told him you get A's and that you want to be a doctor. I think I was 15, 16 at the time I was in high school. Yeah. I called the, I went downtown to Memorial Hospital and he sat there. He, he deserves a lot of credit because he told me one thing that stuck with me. He said, you know, I hear, I hear your mom, you know, says that you get A's. And I said, yeah. And he said, he, and you want to be a doctor? I said, yeah. And so he said, well, this is just a nutshell, but he said, in order to get there, keep doing that. That's the only thing you need to focus on. Take your courses, keep getting the A's. The rest of it will work its way out. And that's all I had to focus on. I kept getting the A's and honor roll everywhere I went. And uh, that that saved me a lot of money. It got me a lot of scholarships and, you know, but no, I didn't have any black, I had any role models. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. When I got there, I didn't even think I, I fit. To this day, I can't, I can go in that circle, but I'm cut from a different cloth. Right. You understand what I mean? Oh yeah. You know, so I'm still me, but I'm a physician. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. a different. <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you a quick question. You know, as you're progressing through uh, college, and what was it like taking that MCAT? Was it? Did you have to take that test? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. What was it? What was it like? It, I've only I've heard stories about it, but it, it ain't that it, hard. It, like, it ain't hard at all. Is it really all? <laughs> no, no, yeah, that, that was. Oh man, that was like uh, kindergarten. Take it right now. Oh, give it to me now. Give me, give, give me the well, test right coming now. Coming from a guy who repeated kindergarten right. from remedial right. coloring. I couldn't use the bathroom on time. Okay, I figured it out by third grade. But go ahead. He couldn't oh. get the number one and number two right. I mean, his timing was. It's three. Yeah. <laughs> but by, by the time you take all of those courses, biochemistry, you know. Uh, physics and all of these things by the time you take all of that stuff you know you know you you shouldn't be worried i mean god did the one thing i really had going for me god bless me and tim knows you know i study like a maniac you know i didn't you know i'm not a genius a lot of a lot of guys that go to med school so forth they're geniuses they barely study and they got it i had to work for it but you know it was it was no big deal it's a t- it's a tough test for most though a lot of okay. i know a lot of guys that just had to take it three or four times and still didn't make it. Some barely made it. You took it once. I took it once. Yeah. Dang. What was your score? Did it, how did it? What did it do? Like a 
High pass, so low pass. pass. Oh. <laughs> it's so long ago, I don't know. I mean, okay. You can't do pass fail work. Not everything is pass. I think fail. they had that in med school. <laughs> they didn't have high pass, low pass, and seven med school. Yeah, high pass, low pass. Yeah. They have honors, you know. Yeah. Or A, B, C, D, and F. It's either honors. Yeah, that's up gone. Yeah. I remember because yeah, you used to talk about that. Tell me, to be honest, were you motivated by money to be a doctor? Because I know y'all get like what eight million dollars a year or something. I know, but did that motivate y'all? Motivate I you? wish eight million dollars a year, but no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's some, there's some truth to that. You know, I like science and all of that. You know, that's that's the base of it. But but the main thing is, I didn't want to be broke. It's the right. truth. We had mm-hmm. nothing. I grew up on oatmeal. We wore We recycled our clothes. It was you know. It was just, I just saw something bigger. I wanted a nice house. I wanted my own space and things like that. And so when I heard that doctors make $100,000, I thought that is perfect. I like science. I can make a living. And that that was enticing to me because I didn't know nobody. Did you know anybody made $100,000? I still don't know nobody but you making $100,000. Yeah, $100,000 is nothing. I wouldn't even practice for $100,000. What? what? You, wow! Nothing at this point. I mean, Man, to see when I came out of residency, I was 20, I was a doctor when I was twenty five. Came out of residency, and I think I got a contract for one hundred and fifty. That was in nineteen ninety eight. Oh, wow! Oh, that hurt. Wow. Dang! I wouldn't even. I thought that was my my dream. You know, but, <laughs> That's your floor. <laughs> That's Dang. not your ceiling. For that now. <laughs> Man, a buck fifty. I don't know. It's I do some strange things for that change right now, but that's another podcast right there. <laughs> Please uh, turn your camera off. <laughs> <laughs> but tell me this, how um I would get up out of bed for that. <laughs> 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 I'm just that kind of guy. <laughs> what uh how much does it cost to become a doctor now? I know they make good money, but what's the financial burden on on a person to go to school wow it's gonna be 200 plus just for those four years of med school that's excluding college but it's gonna be more than two hundred thousand dollars by the time you pay it off that's for sure mm-hmm. so and then interest on top of that interest on top of that yeah yeah for me it, it was about by the time i pay it off it is two hundred thousand dollars I borrowed about a hundred, and by the time you paid off, it's another hundred grand on top of that. But hmm. they probably start out with that, and mm-hmm. it's going wow. that. But, but isn't but, there a way that you can have some of that forgiven because of, of the the nature of the work you're actually doing too, where that can be forgiven uh, if you had like student loans and things of that nature, but or other financing? Yep, there's some healthcare shortage areas, Indian reservations some some areas you know in uh low economic areas that if you mm-hmm. that you know you know many doctors just don't see themselves in those areas but if that's your community and you want to give back yeah even some military things mm-hmm. you can do going to the Navy. um and yeah you'll get your loans repaid back actually my best friend one of my best friends Leroy Hicks he went to med school with me he went to Howard University and he applied to all the Ivy League schools. He went to Harvard, but he chose um, to go to an area that was underserved, and he ended up not on anything. Man, kind that of was smart. Done that too, but you know, I did. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah. Oh, wow. And I believe, is he, is he one of your uh, frat brothers? Leroy that I was yeah. telling you about? Yeah. Yeah. He's not He's not a frat, but uh, he's a, he was just. Okay. All right. Um, tell us this. What was that first day like as an MD once you was in on the hospital alone? What, what was that like? Would you, did you kill somebody? Uh, what'd you do? <laughs> <laughs> did you kind of run around and say, cold blue? I'd be like, oh, man. Are you ready for the doctor yourself? <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it's like you green as green could be. Uh, I mean, you have the knowledge and you've, you know, done enough rotations and you you have the confidence. They Otherwise, they wouldn't make you a doctor. But coming in a residency, I went to Florida Hospital. My first day, I was on an internal medicine rotation and they said, you're responsible for all the code nights. That night, Code 90 is when somebody going to cardiac arrest. They could be in the ICU, you know, wherever. Dang. That night, I had six mm. cardiac arrest. I mean, live. <laughs> ICU room 220, running up down the stairs, the elevators, you got the team of people. And as an intern, they made you conduct it. You know, you pretty much conducting it. Which medicines deliver, who's mm. doing compressions, who's recording what's been given, you know, who's, uh, who's breathing. Are we getting, you know, getting a tray set up for we could do a swan gans catheter or all of those kind of things. And so, but you're conducting the code. Sometimes they make it, sometimes they don't. And what about that night? Thing. What about that night out of them six? I mean, how many still here with us? <laughs> <laughs> that's all I want to know. Hold on, hold on. Hey, Will, let me help you. On behalf of the What's Up With War Show, we are not saying that Dr. William Newsom had anything to do with anyone's demise. We respect what he has done. Now back yeah, to you, Warren. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna Google him. I'm gonna find them six people. I'm gonna find out what happened. All right. Oh my uh, goodness. He's, he's too much, man. I'm trying. I'm trying to keep him contained. You got so, you got you got any scripts you, we could recommend? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. Let's keep it moving. Can I, can I, can I, you know, hold on. Before you you start touching on it, I gotta ask this. Go ahead. We have we have in our circle of friends who individuals who are nurses. What yes. is it like working with that charge nurse or that nurse supervisor? Like, you may be the doctor, but but I've been here for forty. <laughs> yeah. What's what's that like? Is that real real? <laughs> yeah, it's real real. Yeah, it's real. There was a lot of fight. A lot of I mean, what? nurses don't have no problem raising their voice and telling each other. Oh no. I mean, Mm -mm. It, it just it just is what it is i mean it was you know anytime i was on call and i went to the er they try to stick you with a patient that, that is not your patient yeah you know because there's rules to this game and so mm -hmm. you know there's a lot of fussing that goes on but at the end everybody knows that, that you're on the same team mm -hmm. but it's just the logistics of it yeah. yeah. All I know is sometimes when those nurses get mad with the doctor, boy, they take it out on here. Let me get this biggest, thickest gauge needle that we got, mm -hmm. and I'll be that one person to get that nurse. He's so, like, oh no, y'all, let's work it out. <laughs> y'all ain't got to fight like that. Priest to peace. This is where it pays to have role models. When I went to Indiana University School of Medicine, there were this is which, by the way, is the second largest medical school in the country. Oh wow. The number of student wise, and so it's really a weed out program. You either make it or you out. And so, so I learned from a lot of the attending physicians how to handle situations like that. Like you mm -hmm. are the boss, and the only way you're not the boss is if you relinquish that. 
if you give your you give that power to somebody else you're not the boss and so right. i learned okay so i respect your opinion but you will do xyz at the end of the day Hmm. Look at here, the attitude he said to us. We we ain't even on there. He trying to get Yeah, man, but let, let me ask you this though. Word on the curb is you had some hot keto training and back in the days. You didn't have to use that in the ER, did you? Had to you didn't have to karate training? Huh? Hot, hot keto training? Hot keto. Oh, yeah. I, I, I'm sorry, I thought you said hot Cheetos. My bad. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, how to chew it without burning your tongue. Yeah. Yeah, yeah he referred to this uh, class that we call it uh, self-defense. Man, I can defend myself if I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> well, you let him know what's up, though. I know that's right, because he's ready. He's, you're going to do this. All right, let's get into your guilty pleasure. Once you start making this money, these six figures, what's one of the guilty pleasures that you went on and got yourself, a big money purchase you spent it on? <clears throat> oh, wow. <laughs> I mean, you know, I enjoy my car. It's nice, my cars, you know, it's nice to have cars the kids point at when you drive down the street. You know, I got a nice, got a BMW M4, got a Corvette in the garage. Mm -hmm. You know, it's nice, that roar. Eagle on the street. <laughs> mm -hmm. Boy, them Corvette is nice, but they said a Beamer is also a driving machine. Uh, you got a motorcycle too, didn't you? They've got a couple of motorcycles, you know, you know, they're just toys, you know. I, I like material things, but to be honest, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty basic, you know. My life. Is, okay, he said basic. Not, you know, I don't floss. I don't floss. But it was for me. It took me because I came out of residency in '98, mm -hmm. and, and yeah, I got I got a motorcycle here or there, but but believe it or not, I didn't manage my money that well when I first came out. You come from nothing to something. Right. Yeah. You don't know you don't quite know how to manage that. Yeah. And so I was still robbing from Peter to pay Paul. Oh Even man. Mm. And that tells you something. You can make as much as you want. Mm -hmm. If you don't have money management skills, you still yep. broke. Yep, yep. No different other yeah. That's right. Yep. I see a lot of NBA players do that, so I definitely can understand that situation. But uh, I would like to have that problem because you said uh you had a motorcycle. What well, he don't understand, Trey, is tell me about that scooter I got, that 25cc. They, they don't even understand what, what, no. what it's like. I mean, it's I mean, people be walking past me and I be gunning that joke and they be walking and stuff. But yeah, I'm glad you got one. That's I, I appreciate that. Now, uh, Dr. Newsom, do you have any side businesses too that you do or, or just the medical thing is all you do? I have, I've had a couple of businesses. You know, I got a um, Amazon business that I sell. You know, we um, actually, I, actually, I got out of urgent care medicine eight years ago. I started a weight loss um, clinic, so I do obesity medicine, and that's a hundred percent mine. Me and my wife, we own and run that, and that's that's doing very well. Um, and then, and then I kind of spun off of that because there are a lot of people who are interested in hormone replacement therapy. So, mm -hmm. so. So I, I formed Level Up Testosterone Replacement and started, you know, a lot of men, you get 50, you don't know. Things start happening, correct? And so things start happening and you don't feel that, that zest for life. You start getting that gut, you start feeling tired. And it's basically your testosterone when you were 18 years old dropped down from 900 to 200. Mm. And you feel there's something you're not normal. And mm. so there's a big market for that. But a lot of doctors... 
basically what I decided to do was to use my medical license to treat conditions according to standards of care for what the average doctor is unwilling to treat. I said, I'm willing to treat. The average doctor don't want to treat weight loss. They don't have time for it. Why? They why not? What's wrong with that? Huh? What's that? Why not? They just don't have time. Insurance companies don't pay for weight loss treatment. Oh, okay. That's a, black, that's a money black hole. Oh, okay. So, so, so what, what do you do? What do you? How do you help with the weight loss? What do they do? Like, like so, my six hundred pound life or something? Yeah. Well, he does surgery. He does surgery, bariatric surgery, but I treat it medically. And mm. so, you know, so I give people the tools that they need because anybody could do, you know, drop their diet down to eight hundred to twelve hundred calories, go to the gym. But the bottom line is, by the time you hit 40, 45, 50, those basic things don't work. Your metabolism too low. Your hormones are changing. So all diets, no matter what you do, entail low calories. The lower, the bigger the calorie deficit you can create, the more the weight loss. And so exercise really has no place in weight loss. Most people get shocked when I tell them that. But the bottom line is, you can work in the gym all day long. Work out in the gym. Let's say you go to the gym for three hours, you're gonna burn 200, 300 calories tops. But that hunger it creates, you're not gonna go home and just eat uh, a little fat-free pudding, are you? You're gonna go- Yeah, they're gonna go for First of all, you, mm-hmm. you're gonna eat some ribs because you're gonna eat a thousand calories. Most people go to the gym and they end up gaining weight. So so I prescribe suppressant fentanyl, which is a controlled medicine, which why a lot of doctors don't want to prescribe it. But fentamine controls your hunger. That way I can put you on an 800 calorie diet, I have lipotropic injections, you know, fat burners, metabolic accelerant. And people lose, you know, I've had people lose up to 130, 140 pounds. And then your friends see you losing weight. Of course, they're gonna want to come. So I don't do any advertising. My advertisement is a success that people have. I don't spend zero. <laughs> Dang, man. Wow, that, that's amazing right there. So you said I, we don't even got to go to the gym. We just got to get, get what you take, we're giving, and we're going to drop this weight. Yep, yep. If you if you follow the diet, I mean, it's a real food diet. What can I not eat? Good stuff? Huh? I, I just can't eat no good food, right? Just 800? You can't eat good, no. <laughs> No, I don't know, bro. I don't know. I'd think about that one. You know, in our culture, we know what the, the, the things that, that typically take us out, and that's that's the high sodium, the high fats, and things of that nature. So isn't there some type of diet modification they got to do go along with that, that supplement? Yeah, yeah. On, on our on our diet, I mean, there's, there's chicken, there's beef, there's tuna, there's pork. You can have a ham sandwich if you want to, but you keep okay. it lean. You know, there's, mm-hmm. there's vegetables, there's fruit, there's dairy, there's, there's some carbs on there. If you want a baked potato with some fat-free butter. So it's real food. Mm-hmm. But okay. what I do is tell them the quantity. That's key. Like, how much can you have? If you're going to have control, portion, that's key, like you said. Yeah. It's portion control. Mm-hmm. It's portion. So you can eat some of the same things you can be creative with, but you're not going to eat. The average American eats 3,600 calories a day. Mm-hmm. Most people but your body can only burn 2,000 calories a day. Okay, so so what do we need, 1,200? Stop supersizing. Yeah. <laughs> Stop supersizing. Hey, you know what, people talk about me all the time because I buy a certain portion of food and literally I either save half of it or just toss it. 
because I don't need it. You know, they give you the portions are way too big. Yeah, you're right. Man. Okay. So he's making us feel uh guilty for being fat. So let's move on. Um uh, <clears throat> uh, you stop. identify as trans slender, remember? That's right. Look. <laughs> see? Get that recorder turn there. Yeah. I'm back. <laughs> Um, take me back to your college days again and tell me, what was it like pledging uh, your fraternity? I believe, what, what fraternity did you pledge again? Omega, man, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like? Did it change your life? Because you were, I don't think you were, I don't think you were a shy person at all, but did, how did that affect your life, pledging? You know, it it was good. It was, it was excellent. That's what I wanted, but you know, I learned some things about myself along the way. Mm. I love being, I love the pride and I love being Omega. But, um, you know, as I pledge, you know, it's about community service. You know, Omega is about supporting black people and, and doing our thing. As time goes on, I realized that I'm not as, I'm an introvert. Most people don't know that about me, but I'm no. an introvert. So, so if you're gonna be in a fraternity, you need to spend time with people you know at the frat house and things like that and i was more into my studies you know time alone i had to budget my interaction with people uh, basically and so so when you think about it in hindsight you think okay if you knew that you were an introvert and you spend time you need time alone and being around a lot of people and chaos takes that away from you you know maybe you would maybe you maybe you wouldn't but but it's just something that I learned about myself along the way. But all in all, I love the frat. It gave me my principles, manhood, scholarship, perseverance, and uplift. I carry those with me everywhere I go. You gotta be a man. You gotta persevere through whatever you experience. You gotta study all the time, you know, and, and uplift your fellow brother. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember down, uh, even when we got there, Yep. A lot of fights was going on with Pratt back in the days, man. You go go to the flame room, you might catch a chair hitting upside your head. It was a it was chaos. It, yeah. it could be chaos. Uh, yeah. you know. mm -hmm. <laughs> can you still well, step? Can I? Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> you don't lose that. Huh? Yeah, once you got them gold boots, it's a rizap. All right. Oh, oh wow. All right. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's uh, let's also keep moving this progression on in your life. We're learning about you here. So tell us again. And I know you got married before. I want to talk about that situation because uh, uh, I got divorced before, and uh, I know you did too. But I want to know, without getting your business, what happened in your first marriage to make that kind of demise? Was what was, was it? You being a doctor? Was it that you were just always busy? you were on the come up, I know. You might be able to say that, but the bottom line is she she cheated on me. <laughs> Ooh, wow, well, dang. Okay, there you go. All right. <laughs> that, that'll do, do it. That'll do it. That'll do it. Something to do with the fact that I was a doctor. I mean, you spend a lot of time in medical school. I mean, I'm studying 24 hours a day, even though I had kids, you know. You know, but, you know, and then, you know, that's what she told me. That is the reason. She said, I left my boyfriend back in Indianapolis. And so, you know, it, it was a rude awakening for me, you know, because I was, I'm a married for life type of guy, you know. I definitely think I'm better off married than, than single. It's just, it's my comfort spot. But uh, when I discovered that, 
you know, I'm a, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Did, did she want forgiveness for that, or did she come to like I'm sorry, or was it you found out? I think I think she did want forgiveness for it. You know, it, it's a real it's a real long story. But uh, <laughs> okay, we ain't, we ain't gonna get all into that, dear. Do you think? That. Do you think you could have did something different? Do you think you you ever wish you would have handled things differently that kind of led up to that situation? Yeah, I would have not gotten married before I went to medical school because medical school is a selfish thing. Okay. I would yeah. not got married because it's a lot to ask someone. I mean, they have to really be up for the task. Mm-hmm. You know, you can find someone like that who's, and there's many wives who are there for their husband through medical school. But I guess I didn't realize at the time that that, that loneliness, everybody doesn't have that long forbearance. Mm-hmm. They can mm-hmm. wait for the outcome. Right. You know? yeah. I should have took more time to evaluate that. Are y'all still friends? Yeah, we still talk. Yeah, okay, we still good. Talk. Good, yeah, good. We have two kids together. In fact, the two, the, our two kids are they're adults. They live in Phoenix where she is. And so, it's all good, you know. I like okay. the way it works things out. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. So, so now, now you're married. Now, your current wife. How did you know she was the one? Wow. I mean, she. I mean, my current wife is Colombian. Her name is Erica, okay. and we. She was my nurse when I graduated from um, residency. Yeah. And started doing urgent care. You know, I met her there. Mm-hmm. And she, and I, what I liked about her, she was, she was conservative. She was kind of quiet. You know, she's everything that you know, you have you ever met a person that everything they say is is relevant, okay. and they don't talk just to talk. Yeah, yeah. That about her, and uh, you know, she always was there to kind of listen to me. So I didn't even marry her till I had known her already ten years. Hey. Y'all so, friends. Okay. We've been married now for 15 years. And, and we just, we're on the same wavelength. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's her, re- it, she's the reason why we have the weight loss clinic because mm-hmm. uh, she got me interested into weight loss and and that kind of thing. And then I said, well, hey, I have this medical degree and, and we do everything together. We, we're together every day, all day. Mm-hmm. Good, good. <laughs> that's real good uh how many how many kids do you have total and do you, do you have do y'all have kids or how how many to- kids you got i we, i got four total and then okay. a steps so she had a son when we got married and then i have four kids total okay so you got a total five i'm okay what has having kids taught you about life if anything did it change you in any way having kids uh, yeah, it taught me to persevere. It, it taught me, I mean, what I already kind of discussed with y'all earlier, you know, you, you you have kids unexpectedly. Almost every kid is unplanned though, right? <laughs> if you're black, yeah. <laughs> I mean, nobody expected well. you to be coming through. But, uh, but, you know, it taught you, you know, kids come your way and um, they're just a big responsibility. And mm-hmm. I thought the hardest part would be the pampers, and the school and all of that. And then and then I found that, you know, teenage years, you have to balance being a disciplinarian and and allowing them to be free to be who they are without mm-hmm. judging, expecting anything like you should be this way. And the more you could do that balance and allow them to be who they are, I think the better off you are. 
And so, yeah. you, you know, I, I, we're all parents here, and I, I know that this may be one of Ward's next questions, but is there such as a thing as a favorite child? I know Ooh. that there <laughs> Yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, which one's your favorite? I don't think whatever they want to, but I think there is. Y'all agree? Yeah. I'm not going there. No, see, I will, I will, I will, I will co-sign with you on that, William. I, there, there are, there are children. I love all my, all my young adults because now I don't have any kids. I know the, you know, they're you know, 22, 18, and and 16 going on 35. Um, mm. Just knowing that each individual, like you said, has their own way about going things and letting them find their own path. As a dad who's also you know, a part-time control freak, it makes it hard, so I get it. Uh, but yeah, there are, there are certain things I enjoy with each of the young adults, um, and some of them like to hang with me more than others. So for one reason or another, maybe one of them likes me more, but you know, it's all good. But you know, so yeah, yeah I, I say there are uh, there are instances, to your point, that there are kids that, uh, you know, parents are maybe very close to certain ones than others. So. Yeah, yeah you, you put it better than me because you love your kids equally. I think that you would you would jump in front of a bus for any. Absolutely. Every single one. The straight love that nobody else would do but you for your kids. And and but then there's others there's the ones that you just click with. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, you really want to be friends with the one that you know picks your nursing home, right? So it's <laughs> <laughs> definitely adjust my feet for me when I need it. <laughs> right, yeah, you, you do want that. Uh, speaking back, you know, a young person, they had to navigate different things than we had to because we, like now, cable t- uh, television is on 24 hours a day, you know, and we was at kids, you know, when MASH come on, it's a wrap. It's time to go to bed, you know. So, uh, thinking back when you were in college, I know you, uh, in med school specifically, uh, it affected you. Did, did it get to the point where you were ready to give up? Did you ever like, man, I can't, this is too much. I mean, I, I'm going to quit. Did you ever have that? Did you just need some help? Yeah, many times. Um, one time in particular, you know, to be honest with you, I think I was a third year resident because there's a lot of pressure if you're Black. I think when I went to med school, there was four of us. And so you've been told your whole life, you can't just be good. You have to be better. Mm-hmm. And just be uh, better. You gotta be excellent, exceptional, just because of the fact that you're black. And so there was a time when I was a third year medical student. I remember I was doing rounds on the floor and all the medical students, we had residents over us and then the attending physician. I was on gynecology, oncology. We wake up at five o'clock in the morning. We do our rounds, we see our patients. And there was this one day that when the attending physician is coming, everybody is kind of like 10, huh? Dr. Look was coming down the hall. And they said, okay, here comes Dr. Look. And of course, all of the students and the residents was like 10, huh? Because again, I was at Indiana University. There was a weed out. Dr. Look came and wanted to know about each and every patient. When it came to me on this particular day, I recall, I saw Mr. Let's just, I don't remember exactly the name, but let's say I saw Mr. Johnson. But the resident said, you didn't see Mr. Johnson, you saw Mrs. Jones. Right before it was my turn to speak. And so I literally, no joke, started making up. Oh, Mrs. Jones is doing fine. It was one of those moments where I felt like I could not fail. Mm -hmm. And so I had to come up with something. And so the attending looked at me and said, 
you can't be talking about Mrs. Jones because of X, Y, Z. It was an embarrassing day. And I remember I remember going to the dean and say, you know, I need a break. <laughs> I yeah. need a break. And then, um, you know, I actually saw a psychiatrist one time. I was thinking, like, I don't know if I could do this. You know, I have to get through this somehow. But, but this is a lot of pressure because what would cause me to do that? Mm-hmm. This desire to not fail. Why couldn't I have just said, you know, hey, there was a mix up. I think I saw the wrong patient. Can you move on? Let me go assess that patient and I'll come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would have been a proper thing to do instead of making up something. You could kill somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it was one of those situations, but you know, this, this this doc said to me when I went to see him, she said, what is your biggest fear? What do you think would happen if you messed up? And I said, you know, I don't, I don't know. And she said, okay, but she took me down that path until I realized that it's just an unfounded fear and an unreasonable expectation that I have on myself that you have to be perfect. And so once I got rid of that, I went back after a couple of weeks and only, you know, and everything was a wrap after that. I can appreciate that. I think that reminds me of our Richard Pryor uh, comedian I like. He was doing this uh, shoot called Live on Sunset Strip. You can check it out. He came out with a red suit, black shirt. I'll never get it. He was so terrible. He bombed. He just walked off and says, I can't do this. I can't. He left. Just walked away. But the very next day, he came back out. Cameras full blare, red suit again, black shirt, killed it. He killed the game. I never forgot that. Can you imagine what it took to come back again? Gave everybody money back, pulled the same set and ripped it. I was like, just that just that kind of reminded me what you did because you was because man to, to do that. I, mean, I can imagine the, the student loan debt alone, and then the study. I don't know how you studied all that time, still bounced a family, and still had kids. I don't know how you did it. So. Man, my hat's off to you for doing that, man. Yeah, to your yeah. point, William, you, basically you said failure is not an option. That's not something on the table that you can even even consider. That's, yeah. what, that's, that's the way I take it as. No, I tell you, no, you're exactly you're exactly right, Trey. I mean, it it had to happen, mm-hmm. and I was going to find some way to to like I said, if they let me in medical school, which they mm-hmm. did, I got in on my own merit. I'm coming out on the other side, one way or the other. I, I, I didn't even think about failure, but I just had to figure out a way to make that happen. Yeah. And so, mm-hmm. you know, mm. so <laughs> I, know that, I know that you also have a set of particular skills where you're creative in that sense. Tell us about how you picked up the guitar and taught yourself how to do that. Where, where did that come from? Oh, wow. That's just, that's just um, you know, my dad had this guitar in his basement when I was... Uh, young and i just i just pulled it out and you know we had all those albums my, my mom used to have uh, millie jackson and Aretha franklin oh you know all these things and and you know i would just play it you know i would just play these records and try to imitate and then she saw me playing uh george benson one yeah, day yeah breathing <laughs> yeah yeah and then so she thought oh wow when did you learn how to do that so she got me electric guitar mm-hmm. yeah since then i learned how to play the bass back probably about 10 years ago wow. I had no play the bass but you know I just prayed to God God give you skills people don't right. know that absolutely if, yeah you're doing it for his benefit and God's glory he will give you skills so I said God I want to play this bass I want to learn how to play this bass but if I can learn how to play this bass I want to play that church because they is in desperate need of a bass player mm-hmm. I learned how to play that bass and for three years 
I played bass at that church and I learned how to slap that thing, thump that thing. Very years. And then, you know, I got busier, so, you know, I had to take a, a step back. Today I try to pick up the bass and I can't remember anything. So I don't, wow. it's one of those things. I yeah. Gave it, yeah. It, 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 and now, you know, I could probably still pick it up, but, you know, God give you power to do stuff. For you. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad that you, uh, you can admit that you forget stuff because I remember one time when I was a rapper back in the days and I was doing my thing, putting it down for the crowd and somebody <laughs> forgot their whole rap line and I'm backstage trying to tell them their lyrics before we go out there and make a fool out of ourselves. But you know what? That's, that's over. That's not important. We're not even going to talk about that segment. You brought that hypothetical out there, man. You can't, I mean, I mean, who would that be? You know what I mean? Man, he came to me, Trey, he was like, oh man, I forgot my, my lines. I said, quit playing. Man, for real. I mean, the house was packed. I mean, it was jam packed. We up next. This man said, I can't remember nothing. I'm looking like, are you serious? I'm going to, I said, so we have to go over the line. He finally got it. We went up, we ripped the stage up, but boy, he scared me. Was oh. that a Paul Revere moment, man? <laughs> yeah, he, remember, he remember all that, but put him in his rap. I was like, okay, okay. Yeah, you now I'm looking back. I think, yeah. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you you also you you you're creative in a sense too. Well, you do stand up, you know, like me. Tell us about your stand up experience, getting on that mic. That was that was terrible. Should you sure you want to talk about that? Oh yeah, tell us about that. You know, because a lot of people on the table say, with what's up with war, man. That's Sorry. right. That's right. Everybody got a story to tell. Oh, you know, I went to Los Angeles um, back in. I went to LA to Hollywood and I, I met Eddie Griffin. I yeah. went to actually a comedy place there, a famous comedy place, Richard Pryor, I forget the name of the place. Richard Pryor was there, all the famous guys. Eddie Griffin came in unexpectedly, did mm -hmm. a show. I was sitting in the front row. He ordered me a bottle of Moet and I was, I was just inspired. I came <laughs> back to the show and I, I came up in the name, Man Roddy, Half Man, Half Roddy. That was gonna be my stage name. And I just started doing, you know, coming up with jokes. I did uh, a couple of amateur nights and man, I got on on stage. They told you, when you see the red light, you're on. And if you see it blinking again, you're off. And I got up there. They was trying so hard to get me off that stage. I ain't even get one person alive. They were looking at me oh, no. like. Dang, tumbleweed, <laughs> tumbleweed. Do you remember some of the jokes you said? I, I cannot remember for the life of me, man. I put that so far behind, I don't even reflect on it, but it was man. terrible. You kept going. You stayed on till the light blinked, huh? Man, I was on there past the blinking. They had oh, my hook. goodness. You know that thing with the hook on it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Metaphorically speaking, they yeah. wanted to rip me off of there. <laughs> mm, and then you, and you went back up again. How was the next time? The next time was just as bad. That's what okay. I <laughs> You gotta oh. have it. You, you are not. You are natural. You can come up with a joke like off the hip. Yeah, yeah. Well, wow. See, I'll, I'll put that disclaimer out there. Ward is funny, but it's got to be that effortless funny. And if you oh, put, brother! It just got to flow that way. If he, if he tries, it's like, yeah, whatever. Yeah. But if it just comes, you know what I'm talking about with him. When I when I, without, when I blow up, when I blow up, saying the same dry jokes, I don't want to hear. Um, <laughs> What, what about racism, Dr. Newsom? Have you, have you dealt with racism in your field at all? Do people just love you because you're a doctor or everybody lets you treat them? Yeah, I see racism. You know, that's in every walk of life. 
but um, you know, most people love you and treat you like a like a regular person. But I, you know, I had it's it's subtle. It's mm-hmm. subtle. Nobody's gonna call you the N word, but but you know when they call you, hey Bill, it's nice to see you again. He says it's Doctor Newsom, but they persist in calling you Bill. <laughs> yeah. You know, Take yeah. it back from why are you calling me Bill? My, I mean, first of all, nobody calls me Bill. Right. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, I mean, there, there, there's racism. And then um, the offers that you get for certain positions, you know, they're, they're going to be less than your counterpart because they yeah. think that you don't know. Yeah. You know that. Yep. Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's part of land, land, but you know, I don't, I don't take it to heart, you know, because it just, it just is what it is, you know. That's more it says more about them than it does about me. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, I think, I think we've all dealt with it, and uh, I just sometimes you think because you're doing a different profession like yours, if everybody's not doing, you at least get some respect. But it's unfortunate; it's still the same. A black man's a black man's a black man. Yeah. Uh, first off, young, I, I identify. Before he said that, let me let me let me pause. I identify as honey roasted almond. So if you please don't call me black, that'd be great. <laughs> you identify as honey roasted. Okay. Well, well, I'm, I'm pure sorry. chocolate. Let me just put that out there real quick. <laughs> yeah, I'm pure chocolate right here. Two two or five pure chocolate. Okay. Trans three fifths. You're three fifths of uh, pure chocolate. Gotcha. That's right. Three fifths of a chocolate bar. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, 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 William, tell us this. I, I know you're not a big fan of doing shows like this, so we definitely appreciate you being on it. What, what made you uh, come out your shell to, to be willing to talk on a on a podcast like this? I mean, honestly, I mean, I, I saw a couple of you all show. I mean, I know you personally from yeah. from back in. You know, there's gonna be somebody that listens to this that, that doesn't have a direction. They're gonna hear something. Mm-hmm. that hopefully they hear something that I've said that they can reflect on because, you know, we need to give back the experiences that we learn from. And so, yeah. so it's worth it for me to, to do a show like that. And I appreciate it. I appreciate yeah. you. Yeah. You know, respect. Definitely. <laughs> respect. Back to that. All right. We're going to move on to the next segment of the show before we wrap it up. Just called Getting to Know You or our Rapid Fire Questions. We'd like to just ask a few questions just to get your thought on things so we can, you know, know you. Even though we don't know you, we know you. Uh, Trey, let's do a three, three, and go from there. You want to go first or want me to hit him? Okay, you go first, man. All right, first one. Malcolm X or Martin Luther King? Which one? Martin Luther King. Mm. Yeah. Wow. I thought for sure you'd say X. What, what about him appeal to you more so than the other? Malcolm X, I like his rhetoric and I think that everything that he says is true, but at the end of the day, I've learned that that hate cannot drive out hate. Mm. You know, like mm-hmm. darkness drive out darkness. Light has to do that. Mm-hmm. Hate can't drive out hate. Love has to do that. Mm. And the way you expose you can expose evil or hate is that you got to have your hands clean. Otherwise, if your hands aren't clean, the world will look at it and say, this is hate against hate, and who knows who's wrong. Right. Or you can mm-hmm. this side mm-hmm. is doing nothing wrong, and this side, the hate is exposed. So you got to expose it if you want to get the recognition and move forward. And that's what I think King got, even though the emotional side of me, 
I love Malcolm X. I love I love them both. But if you're gonna give me a choice, actually the the one that worked and the reason why I was able to become a doctor, you were able to become successful, it's because of Martin Luther King. Okay. Oh, yep. okay. Now you said love conquers hate. Now I'm almost thinking that was Radio Raheem from Do the Right Thing. Sound like you stole that with the love hate ring but i'm not gonna go there so anyway okay yeah yeah that's, i think he stole that but you know i'm gonna keep it moving okay i'm gonna hit you i'm gonna hit you with some 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 hard a hard one now i want you to buckle up buckle up the martin show or good times be careful oh that's the martin really oh the good times I mean, I love good times too, but I, lo- I love the Mark show more. <laughs> it sounds like you choosing Gino over Thelma. I have issues with that. Well, right. <laughs> if you way, Thelma is a queen. <laughs> right, right. See what I'm saying? Yeah, you already hey, know. Hey, you, that's good. We're going to re- come back and revisit that one in a minute. But go ahead. <laughs> uh, last one. What do you like most about being a doctor? What, 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 what do you get most out of that? What's the joy in that? You know, what? I like, I like, um, assessing you know i like using my brain i like calculating what is the issue and like i said i love problem solving. being a doctor is like a detective when mm-hmm. it comes to the body you know mm-hmm. you know i love it i love interacting with people the administrative side i could probably do without but i love interacting one-on-one with a person in treatment okay all right all right here we go so here's my questions now we're gonna go back on that that good times thought for just a second now you go back to your preteen years 15 16 years old okay you got three 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 ladies that are chasing that want your attention you got Thelma from good times you got Tootie from facts of life or you got Laura Winslow from, from family matters which one gets your attention oh man now I'm leaning on Thelma mm-hmm. yeah Thelma was fine fine Thelma was fine yeah uh-huh. Yeah, that's all. Yeah, I didn't remember nothing else about the show, really. But yeah, that was mm-hmm. a brick house. Man, <laughs> was man. was still is, but well, well. All right, yeah, how about this one? Thinking about the times when you're going through through college and med school and things like that. Sure. Three things that you always have to try to balance: time, finances, and just plain energy. So, of those three things, looking back, hindsight 2020, which one of those things do you think is most valuable as you're going through that process? Time, finances, or energy? Time. Time. It's the most important to balance. You know, you know your finances, you know, and, and the, the energy, I mean, time and energy go together. But, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's about um, finding that sweet spot where you can enjoy the fruits of your labor. And so you can't spend all of your time working, you know, doing 12-hour shifts, working 48 hours straight, things like that. So time, time is key for me. I have to actually turn down positions and turn mm-hmm. down money to be at a position where I have more time. Okay. Thank you. Time is the one. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. What would you say? Do y'all agree with that? Oh, yeah, yeah, I, I definitely do. I was going to say that time is one thing that you can't get back once it's gone and you never get enough of it. So, yeah, I definitely mm-hmm. would choose time. And it, and it goes in one direction. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's true. Yeah. Here, here, here's my, my next question. Oh, 
if you're a superhero fan, what superhero best matches your personality? Mm. What superhero do you identify with? Blank Man? Black Panther. Mm. Black Panther. Ooh. Oh. That's a matter of fact, right there. T'Challa. <laughs> Uh-oh. He, he better put on Black Panther suit. What? There you go. There you go. Family Black Panther. Okay. They're <laughs> over there. I got them all. <laughs> yeah. There yeah. you go. He he was a, a different type of uh, hero. I, I will admit that. Let me let me hit up my, my next three. Tell us about your first car, and how how long did it take you to save up to get it? Oh, first car, '79 Monte Carlo, Burgundy, mm-hmm. and. Uh, that one took me about three to four months to save up, you know, mm-hmm. six hundred and ninety-two dollars from KFC. Ain't that crazy? That cheap. Six hundred and ninety-two dollars. <laughs> yeah, I remember that Joker rode smooth, and my my favorite memory for your car is when we was driving down the street, and you did that three sixty, and the doors swung open, and it was like, huh? then doors closed, we was rolling on off. I was like, never forget oh, that. Man. Never forget that. <laughs> Oh, yeah, you, had a, you had a sweet guy coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, mine was like, and, and Trey, you may not know this, but we used to chase people. But that's another story. That's another story. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know what the statute of limitations is on that. <laughs> I was just joking. It's just jokes. That's all it is. <laughs> okay. We didn't throw people in trash cans. None of that. Okay. But uh, my next we're question just... is, would you say? <laughs> say it again. Just... <laughs> yeah. Um, my next question is what's the greatest number of women you dated at the same time is this uh, where is this going to be uh... <laughs> <laughs> we everywhere that you can stream podcasts we Audible, Pandora, Amazon but just saying you know everybody had their moments and stuff they do stuff I had four rotation I ain't even gonna lie I had straight four rotation I'm gonna say five okay all right, good. Five, five, cool. And my final question is, what things make you laugh? Believe it or not, these days, because I watch a lot of uh, serious things with my wife. She like murder mysteries and things like You know, I love that kind of stuff, too. But she did not like comedies. Hmm. I still watch the Jeffersons. I record yeah, the Me Jeffersons. too. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I record Facts of Life and all of that stuff. Yeah, you know? yeah. So, comedies yeah okay yeah yeah let me give a bonus question Trey let me give one bonus if you went to karaoke night what song would you murder Mm. just once just once by uh, Jeffrey uh, Osborne oh no 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 Ingram James Ingram yeah yeah give us a little sample Give, give, give a little sample go ahead no, I'm not giving you no sense. <laughs> <laughs> he thought about it. <laughs> He's about to know. <laughs> 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 <Very interesting. laughs> you know, we, we've heard the saying that you live your life in 20-year increments. What do you tell yourself 20 years from now? What do you what do you what's your expectation of your life and where do you see yourself 20 years from now? I see myself still healthy, thriving trying new things because I just like 
you know, you get bored quick with, with things, you know, and there you never arrive and it's about the journey. So if your journey stops, then, then that's it. So I see myself still trying new things, new business ventures, new places, you know, things mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm, you know, now, now my eyes are open, you know, you I can go. enjoy, like we went to see Elton John in concert. That's his last concert the other day. I thought, man, that was amazing. Yeah, I like him. Yeah. Elton John, he yeah. Did great. He's 75. I was impressed. Yeah, wow. I hope he wasn't gyrating like Smokey Robinson was doing when I saw him. Because no yeah, bueno. No, no bueno. No, no, not at that age. No, he kept it big. Okay, go. all right, cool. Here, two more real quick. So, are you Team Chitlin or Team No Chitlin? Team No Chitlin. My man. My Don't man. Do- Ask him about the grits. Ask him about the grits, too. Oh, that's the oh, bonus, man. Throw some eggs in there, tad bit of sugar. I'm good. There you go. There you oh, go. No, sugar you, had me, you said eggs. I was like, he going to say salt, and you hit me with the sugar. You can't eat grits without sugar. You hit me with the sugar, man. Oh, come on, man. Now, time, time. You got to have sugar on them. <clears throat> Okay, I'm not five, so I don't need sugar in my grits. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I don't know how you. I, I, I'm going to tell you a story later about grits offline. Is it my turn? My final three? Uh, my last one, just real quick here. Yeah. So, sweet potato. Say again? Where y'all get these questions from? Oh, man. We got we got books of we, questions. We debate on this stuff all the time. We we, we have long discussions about uh, sugar on grits or not. That's That should be a show on its own. I'm getting some um, tonight, too. Shoot. Are you team sweet potato pie or red velvet cake? Sweet potato pie. Man. Yeah. Sorry, I was red velvet. I, we, we, we used to be down, William. We used to be oh, down. Man. I don't understand Sugar, red velvet pie. Hey, but you can smash them together. You, you know go. what? We may have to. You may you may be on to something like that. Can we put that in the diet plan? I'm just asking for a friend. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he already said I ain't got to work out no more, so I'm, I'm through. I'm canceling my Planet Fitness membership tonight. Hold on, hold on. On behalf of What's Up Award Show, we are fans of Planet Fitness. Now back to you, Ward. Yeah, I love Planet Fitness. I, I'm going there again. Like, that's that's my spot. That, that's my spot. Planet Fitness is the place. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, he loves that circle of death and the hydro massage. Now back to Man. you, Ward. All right. Okay, here are my final three. Um, what's the strangest food you've you've ever had? And you live down there in Florida. Oh, wow. Gator. Oh my God! You 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 had a tail? Yeah, yeah. They sell gator, fried gator, roasted gator. However you want gator. Gator is a weird food, but I've tasted it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is it is it like tough? It's it's a tough meat. Some people say it tastes like chicken, but it tastes like gator to me. Mm, okay, <laughs> I'm gonna go with that then. He said it sound like gator. Sound it tastes like gator. Hey, his mama name him Gator. I'ma call him Gator. Yeah. Gator, where the TV at? I'm out sold the TV. Uh, <laughs> I smoked the TV. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I, I I got two. Uh, next one. Better movie: Love Jones or Cooley High? Well, Love Jones. Mmm. Without a doubt, huh? Those are tough choices. Why would you say Love Jones or, or, or what's Charlie's Angel? Or Jaws. Love yeah. Jones. Yeah. I love both of those. Yeah. Yeah. Love Jones, man. That movie was. I, I guess I, it resonated. Uh, you know, Cooley High was before us, but the soundtrack was so dope. And just I, I just can see that because you know when we were younger, man, we we would walk to school, we meet every day at the corner, we walk. One time a dog chases us, we go here. It just 
I don't know. That's Cooley High my at uh, that time, man. You know, just a lot of memories. So, but Love Jones, that's when you when you meet somebody and you know, and, you know. Did you see e- either one of those being as a remake at all and being successful in your opinion? Cooley High, maybe. I don't think about Love Jones. I don't Love think Love Jones yeah. was different. So, you know, they remade the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. I mean, this is this is like Cooley High is further back than that. But yeah. I don't know if you've seen this. Bel Air. Will Smith actually made Bel Air on Peacock. But it's the 2022 version. Is it good? Mm. Man, if you haven't seen it, you have got to see it. It's mm. the first season. They got 10 episodes. But Bel Air remade in 2022 is amazing. I wish they would remake Cooley High. Yeah. I wish they would remake Mahogany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mahogany. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and Car Wash, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, all right. Let me, let me get my last question in here then. Uh, I will always wonder this, you know, when you have to tell a family that their loved one didn't pull through surgery, do they prepare you for that in, in school? And have you ever done that? Yeah, I've had, I've had to do it. I mean, they're, yeah, you're, you're more than prepared. By the time you get that MD and you cross that stage, you should have all the skills that you need. They just need to be kind of honed a little bit more. But yeah, they prepared us for that. In fact, that first night of my internship, as I was telling you about, I do recall actually having to tell a couple of those families that they didn't make. Yeah, it's not an easy thing to do. Yeah, man. Uh, I just don't know how you prepare yourself to go out there because, man. Okay. Yeah. All right. Man, you, you turned out real. Man, we was having fun laughing. I was like. I was just wondering, man, you know, because that's that's part of it. I don't know. You, you probably don't have to do that now, do you? You you, you don't do you're not no, I'm not I'm not in the hospital and um you know it's it's a less critical environment you know as an outpatient mm-hmm. you know do things that happen like that mm-hmm. yeah but but uh, often I'm out in public and I, you know I could be at a church or you know just last month I flew to Phoenix to see my son William Jr and mm-hmm. I was on the plane and they called me up front is there any doctor on board and I'm always in those situations you know mm-hmm. you know went up there and the, the baby was having a seizure you know I, i'm always in situations like that so i'm always like willing to jump in and, and help and then you know then i'm pleased you know that i have yeah. skills that... so did they believe you as a doctor you know how that is <laughs> she looked at me like you sure <laughs> sure seen from my app does anyone speak jive <laughs> He's going back to airplane. Okay. All right. I, I'm dressed all in my hat. You know, I'm all comfy. I said, oh, let me make sure I speak properly. I'm yeah. all good to see you guys. <laughs> yeah, I'm a doctor. I really am. <laughs> all right. Uh, all right. Let's uh, let's get to the close of the show. Trey, do you have anything else you want to ask before we close out? No, just my pleasure meeting you for the first time here. Thank you so much for coming to the What's Up the War podcast. Thank you. Yeah. You're more than welcome. I just want to say this. Uh, usually, I ask uh, a guest to tell us where the social media footprints can be found, but I want you to tell us a, a little bit uh, about where they can find your, uh, your your weight loss supplements and, and uh, any website you may have on that or where they can buy it at. Yeah, definitely. If they're if they're interested in weight loss, um, you can um, see my website at www.solutionsweightloss.net. Um, I have weight loss supplements also on Amazon. So if you're interested, you can look you can look us up on Amazon too. And the name of it again? Uh, Open Door Surplus. It's under a different name. Amazon. Okay. All right. We'll make you do that. Plenty. So you want to try a sample? See what it's like? So you can leave that gym? <laughs> I'm not leaving the gym. <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay. All right, man. Cool. But I would like a sample. We'll talk offline about that. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, we're going to go to my final thoughts, if you guys don't mind. <clears throat> I just want to say it was a pleasure to hear the words of Dr. William Earl Newsom today. He spoke about his life, his triumphs and challenges, and where he is now in 2022. I thank you dearly, my brother. Um, to our listeners out there, we want to say this. Our greatest joy is not never failing, but in rising every time we do fall. Heck, all of our dreams come true. We have courage to pursue them, as Dr. William Newsom uh, demonstrates this today. The real test is not whether you avoid failure, but being like a car GPS that has to reroute. In other words, by any means necessary, keep your eyes on the prize and get to your destination. I'm Woody Ward. He's Trey all day. Peace. It was fun. Thank you all for having me. Yes.